Hello everyone, this is Andy. Welcome back to another episode of UFOs and Other Paranormal Stuff. How are you all doing? I hope you're doing okay. I've been doing okay, thank you very much. A few days off of work here and there. Very much welcome days off. And for November, the weather has been quite good as well. That is very strange. It's been up to about 15 degrees, which like I said, for November is quite a rarity around these parts. Just a few things before we get going. I'd like to say a massive thank you to the person who sent a donation via buymeacoffee.com forward slash UFOs. That was very much appreciated. And uh, like I've said before, every single penny raised will go into the podcast. So that is very much appreciated. Thank you very much. Please do continue to like and share uh, the show with all your friends and family and workmates and colleagues and everyone, but also to put some reviews on wherever you do get your podcast. Uh, that helps too, lots and lots. Anyway, today's episode is a little bit different. You may have noticed that I do go on about UFOs a little bit too much. They are my favourite subject. Uh, but this subject today is about the vampire of Highgate Cemetery. That's right, the Vampire of Highgate Cemetery. So what is so special about Highgate Cemetery? What really happened there? And could the Highgate Vampire really have been another famous Victorian villain? Shall we go and have a look? Strange sightings were made in the 1940s right up to the 1970s of a strange being in the cemetery. In 1836... Stephen Geary and his London Cemetery Company brought land on the Ashurst Manor Estate in North London, just next to the picturesque Hampstead Heath. Highgate Cemetery, which was designed to look similar to the Père Lachaise Cemetery in Paris, France, was completed in the 1870s. It was to be a non-denominational cemetery, in other words, open to people of all or even no religion. The cemetery is open to the public for an admission charge. Stylish parts of the cemetery to look out for if you do visit are the Egyptian Avenue, which you enter via an arched gate flanked by columns and obelisks. The Lebanon Circle, which surrounds a cedar tree of Lebanon and is lined with tombs. The tree was actually there before the cemetery was built. And there is the terraced catacombs, which is a small labyrinth of tombs. A few notable burials in the cemetery are Karl Marx, philosopher, historian, sociologist and economist. Roger Lloyd Pack, the actor who played the much-loved Trigger in TV's Only Fools and Horses. And Marguerite Antonia Radcliffe Hall, an English poet and author best known for the novel the Well of Loneliness, a groundbreaking work in lesbian literature. By 1888, there were more than 25,000 graves in the cemetery, many of them containing four bodies each. Luckily for the neighbours of the cemetery, cremation was soon legalised and the demand for burial decreased. Since the end of the Second World War, the cemetery has started to take on an unkept look as naturally the number of family members coming to tend the graves of loved ones has diminished. The weeds and brambles, etc. have started to claim the grounds. 
it took on a very gloomy atmosphere. The decades after World War II, the cemetery was in such disrepair that some parts were inaccessible and graves lay broken. There was also reports of opened graves, coffins broken into and human remains lying exposed. By 1969, the cemetery became the centre of some spooky occurrences which came to be known as the Highgate Cemetery Vampire. A couple walking along Swain's Lane, next to one of the many gates, came face to face with a dark figure walking behind the railings. It had two dark red slits for eyes. When the woman screamed, the figure disappeared. Later that year, a dog walker on Swain's Lane saw the dark figure sliding over the cemetery wall. When the dog walker screamed, again the dark figure disappeared. In 1967, two girls again walking in Swain's Lane saw a dark figure rising from an open grave, and again the creature disappeared when the girls screamed. After a few more sightings of the figure in Highgate Cemetery, experts in the occult became very interested. David Farrant, a member of the British Occult Society, and Sean Manchester, who said that he was a bishop, a descendant of Lord Byron, and a director of the Occult Bureau. Both investigators concluded that the dark figure was a vampire, and both said that they would capture it. A vampire-slaying rivalry was born. Farrant, while camping in the cemetery, said that he came face to face with the vampire. Manchester whilst interviewing one of the schoolgirls from the 1967 encounter, noticed two small wounds on the girl's neck. She was suffering terrible nightmares and was also quite ill. Manchester filled her room with anti-vampire items, garlic, charms, etc., and apparently the girl's health returned to normal. Manchester reckons that the vampire was a 15th century Romanian king vampire who had been buried in the area that was to become Highgate Cemetery. He stated that Satanists and occultists had resurrected it. Sean Manchester told David Farrant that he would hold an exorcism on Friday the 13th of March 1970 and that would rid Highgate Cemetery of its vampire. Even the national television networks came involved as ITV picked up the story and interviewed both Farrant and Manchester for a news bulletin that evening. Two hours after the programme aired, a mob of vampire hunters appeared outside the cemetery. They swarmed the gates and scaled the walls and got into the locked cemetery. Even the police could not control them. Unfortunately, with such a mob, vandalism occurred at the cemetery. But also, more people went to the police to report the strange dark figure walking amongst the gravestones that night. Some months later, the charred and headless body of a woman was found not far from the catacomb. 
the police suspected black magic. Farrant was found by police in the churchyard beside Highgate Cemetery carrying a crucifix and a wooden stake. He was arrested, but the case was dismissed. A few days later, Sean Manchester returned to Highgate Cemetery. He and his companions said that they forced, forced open the doors of a family vault, lifted the lid off one coffin, believing it to have been mysteriously transferred there from another catacomb. He was about to drive a stake through the body inside when a companion stopped him and persuaded him not to do it. Manchester closed the coffin but left garlic and incense in the vault. In 1974, David Farrant was arrested and jailed for damaging graves and interfering with dead bodies in the cemetery. He insisted that it was the work of Satanists. The feud that started in Highgate Cemetery between Sean Manchester and David Farrant lasted until Farrant's death in 2019. Since the 1970s, reports of desecrated graves, tombstones being broken and animal carcasses being thrown out onto marble slabs drained of all their blood have continued to come out of Highgate Cemetery, just as they did before. So what was going on? What is the dark figure that people keep seeing in the cemetery even to this day? It is worth mentioning that reports existed about animal mutilations and grave desecrations long before the 1960s. Highgate Cemetery and others close by had incidents of graves being desecrated and the bodies disturbed by wooden stakes driven into them. One, at Tottenham Park Cemetery, had an iron stake in the shape of a crucifix driven through the coffin lid and into the chest of its occupant. These were all done by people still unknown. Security was placed at some London cemeteries, yet these incidents kept going on. Were the Highgate Vampire and another infamous entity of Old London, Spring-Heeled Jack, talked about in the previous episode, one and the same? If you like UFOs and other paranormal stuff, you can support me and the show at buymeacoffee.com forward slash UFOs. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash UFOs. You can find a link on the podcast's social media groups, on Facebook and the Twitter page. Every penny donated is very, very much appreciated, and it does go back into the show. Hiddenhighgate.org asks the question, Are the Highgate Vampire and Springhill Jack, the notorious and mysterious London villain from the 1800s, the same being? Definitely not, is their answer but they are both inextricably linked with the occult history of the old city of London. While the Highgate Vampire was only spotted in Highgate and Hampstead Heath on the odd occasion, Springhill Jack roamed the East End and South London, Clapham Common, Peckham, Kensington and Limehouse, but also the north of England too. They do share some similarities. 
they can both jump or slide over high structures. Scaling church roofs and managing to get over gatehouses are not a problem for either. And there is the diabolical and terrifying fear that they give to anybody who sees them. But hold on, there may be some documented evidence of Springhill Jack in Highgate. In The Recollections of Charles Meburn Tatham, Esquire, M.A. Barrister at Law, and a Socialite of Highgate in the 19th century, the author Meburn Tatham, who lived in Highgate in the 1830s and 40s at a place called Merton Lodge, wrote, About this time people were alarmed at the time in the night by the antics of some young nobleman who was known as Springhield Jack who suddenly used to jump over the hedge where someone might be passing and terrify the passer-by. My brother and I used occasionally to walk to the theatre and walk back, a matter of four miles each way. After the performance was over, and after perhaps seeing at the Adelphi a weird melodrama, one particular scene I remember in which a villain lay in wait one moonlit night to commit murder, we felt very fearful, walking at twelve o'clock at night down Merton Lane, thinking too, perhaps, of Springhill Jack, as we went through the short-lined avenue to the door of our house. Now, the question is, why would two people be so worried about the possibility of Springhill Jack attacking them as they walked home from the theatre in North London? when the entity only sprang in the south and east of the city. The house was Merton Lodge, remember, and it was located off Merton Lane. Merton Lane, the part where they would have left to, to join the lined avenue to their front door, is only 0 0.4 miles away from a certain Swains Lane. Swains Lane, of course, is right on the Highgate Cemetery and of course is the location of the sightings of the vampire. Had Charles Meburn Tatham and his brother George's fear been caused by Springhill Jack? Probably not. Or had they, on one of their nightly walks to the Adelphi Theatre and back, or during the day on the leisurely walk near the cemetery, seen something evil and diabolical? which may have fitted the description of Springhill Jack, but in fact been the vampire of Highgate Cemetery. Maybe Springhill Jack sprang about the cemetery in Highgate as well as the east and south of London after all. It is said that even if you go to the cemetery now, you can still see a dark figure lurking between the gravestones, the tombstones, the cedar trees and the Egyptian obelisks. If you do go, don't forget to take some garlic with you. Well, what are your thoughts on the Vampire of Highgate Cemetery, ladies and gentlemen? I would really like to know. Please do send me your thoughts on that and other shows to UFOs and other paranormal stuff at gmail.com. It's an interesting subject, isn't it, vampires? Not one that I've looked into too much, but I'm definitely going to change that. There's going to be some more episodes about that particular subject. 
Again, if you like UFOs and other paranormal stuff, you can support me and the show at buymeacoffee.com forward slash UFOs. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash UFOs. You can find a link on the podcast, social media sites, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and everything. Like I said before, every penny donated is much appreciated and will go back into the show. Thank you. And don't forget to keep your emails coming in too uh, at UFOs and other paranormal stuff at gmail.com. And have a look at the Facebook page and the group as well as the Twitter page too. I'm looking to make some plans for the podcast over the next couple of months and you will be the first to find out what they are through the social media pages. You can even send me your own ideas for the show. They will be much appreciated. For now, and until next time, take care and goodbye.